Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Consulting with Authority. This is Scott Cantrell. I'm excited to be joined today by Lisa Rayberg. She's president and founder of Rayberg Life Settlements. This is a company that helps individuals settle their life insurance policies for cash if they no longer need them or want them anymore. Uh, Lisa is an authority in her field. She's been in the insurance space for over three decades. Rayberg Life Settlements uh, was founded about five years ago. And if um, you're looking for an expert or speaker in this world, then I would highly recommend Lisa. Uh, Lisa's here today to talk to us about how she runs her consulting practice and specifically how she is growing her consulting practice, which is a really powerful method that we have touched on in other interviews, but really going to go deep with Lisa here in talking about strategic referral partnerships and building out a strategic referral network. Lisa, thank you so much for carving out some time and excited to talk with you today. It is certainly my pleasure. Thank you. Awesome. So Lisa, just to kind of um, uh, check this box off the list, because it's always interesting and there's always some nugget that comes out of this question. I'd love for you just to sort of tell everybody a little bit about your background, how you got to where you are, maybe how Rayburg Life Settlements was born and uh, what your career consisted of uh, prior to that. Well, um, I was born and raised in a machine shop. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I'm not joking. <laughs> Very so cool. So how in the world do I get from there to here, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, my father had a machine shop. So that was that was the start of my career. But um, as you said, I've been in business for 30 years. Uh, you know, in college, we all do this, right? We work while we go to college. And I uh, started as a file clerk at a third-party administrator in the insur- for an insurance company. And, uh, you know, just yada, 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 here we are. Mm-hmm. But um, so I've worked uh, primarily in corporate uh, marketing to insurance and agents uh, as as well as financial advisors across the country, either with a carrier or a third party administrator or a general agency. And um, it was time for me to not be in an airport every week, let's just say. Right. And so I started my own company uh, for life settlements about five years ago. I love working with insurance agents and brokers and financial advisors. Of course, we work with all kinds of different referral partners, but that's our primary uh, referral partner source. And the reality is that life settlements were a perfect fit for them because it's another way to help their clients that very few people know about, as well as I'm a safe referral source for them. And what I mean by that is this is all I do. So I intentionally just did life settlements. Besides the fact I'm passionate about them, um, I wanted to be a safe referral source for our partners. They don't have to worry about me writing life insurance or annuities or or Medicare or anything else. This is all we do. So it's a win-win-win for everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's phenomenal. And I'm glad you mentioned that because I just jotted that down about being a safe referral source. And that's a perfect segue into the next part of our conversation, which is talk a little bit about how obviously you've been in the business for a while. So you probably had a lot of these connect, uh, connections and a lot of this network, at least somewhat established when you started uh, your practice. But talk a little bit about how that network was developed And then when you created uh, Rayburg Life Settlements, how that network was sort of formalized into the strategic referral partnership. How did, how was that, um, how was this network developed? And then we can kind of maybe dissect it a little bit more and, and kind of share with people how they might adopt or adapt what you've done in their own practice. Well, like you said, I've been in the business for 30 years. And so I am what I call a field rep by trade. When I started, I was out seeing insurance agents all the time. And 
financial advisors once again, because I was um, marketing, if you will, services to help their clients, mm-hmm. or as marketing products help their clients. If it was from a carrier, once again, third-party administrator, general agency, they were all products and services. So I was out in the field a lot. And through my career, um, as I as I advanced and became uh, more in the executive role, uh, I was VP of sales for several different insurance companies. I was still out in the field a lot because sure. I believed in seeing um, your clients, right? And to mm-hmm. me, the insurance agent, our referral partners are our clients. Yes, the client is the client, but I I respect that relationship. And so for me, my mindset is around our referral partners are the clients. And so I was always out seeing clients. And so that is how, you know, I started once again, it's been decades. And what's really fun though, is that over time, as I've developed life settlements, I'm talking to insurance agents that I worked with when I was at a carrier 30 years ago sure, that I had, yeah. you know, not lost, but kind of lost touch with. So it's a lot of fun to kind of reconnect with, with old friends, if you will. I shouldn't that's say excellent. old. <laughs> uh, no, of course, of course. No, no, no. I think that's fantastic. So over time, you sort of built out this network or uh, for those of us who remember, you built out your Rolodex of connections yes, um, and sort of established established that early on and then stayed in touch depending on what role you were in. And then when this new co was created, it was going back to those same folks, having conversations, basically just educating them on this is what I'm doing now. This is how I might be able to serve you and and your clients. So let's talk about that conversation. When, when you are meeting or approaching, or you see an opportunity uh, for someone to be a strategic refer- referral partner for you, um, how, how do you engage in that conversation? What does that look like? If you're at a networking event or a, a conference or, um, you know, I, I don't even know how it might come up. Where, where, do, you, where do you meet new uh, potential strategic referral partners to add them to your network? And what does that conversation look like usually? So that's a really good question, um, Scott, and it's a work in progress, right? I think sure. I don't think anyone can have enough referral partners. Um, and the answer to your question is everywhere. <laughs> okay. So whether it be whether it be LinkedIn, whether it be face to face meetings. So I I go to local networking events, estate planning councils, health underwriters, um, NAFA meetings, NAPFA meetings, uh, all different kinds of of meetings, um, and. I'm also doing a lot of speaking, as you mentioned before. Uh, with COVID, it's been via Zoom, which has actually been very positive in terms of, you know, there's a, there's two sides of the story. The, the downside is uh, typically sometimes attendance can be less via Zoom, but the positive is that I can do a Zoom meeting in Florida, which I've done. Right. So, um, so I do a lot of public speaking as well. So your question was, what does that conversation look like? Right. It just depends where what the medium is, if you will. Okay. Um, so I have a very strong focus on trying to uh, speak publicly, whether that be for five minutes, 10 minutes, 15. I even have our CE courses, continuing education courses for insurance agents and financial advisors. Wow. But but point is, um, the, the great thing I think about what we do is the win-win-win for everybody. So when I talk to insurance agents, financial advisors in particular, and then we could talk about the healthcare world in a moment, because once again, depends upon the audience. Individual agents, financial advisors sell something like this. We're here to help your clients benefit from an asset they don't know they own, which is their life insurance policy. 
We help clients sell their life insurance policy for cash, term, universal life, whatever. Um, the bottom line here is you can help your client benefit, but this also helps you benefit because there's commissions in there. If it's a financial advisor that cannot uh, partake in commissions, because some don't because they're broker dealers, it's going to be, first of all, fiduciary duty to the client. It's the right thing for the client. More importantly, once a client has their um, their money from the settlement, there could be uh, the client could need additional products like annuities or maybe Medicare or whatever it happens to be. And also, if you're a financial advisor, this could be more assets under management. So I look at this as a win-win-win for everybody. The client wins, the people who buy the policy wins, the uh, the insurance agent, our financial advisor, our partner wins, and of course, we're privileged to be of service. So that's that world. Mm-hmm. And um, I, you know, I also try to get creative as to who could be possible referral partners besides what I know, right? Like branching right. outside. And we're starting to see some traction with the healthcare world, meaning that assisted living communities, home care agencies, um, aging life care managers, senior placement referral specialists, though that world, because client their their clients, right? I'm here to help their clients. Their clients are looking for ways to pay for assisted living or memory care, and maybe they don't have the funds or, or you yeah. know, parting with a life insurance policy or repositioning a life insurance policy, repurposing it is a uh, more comfortable solution for clients sometimes than a reverse mortgage or so, or something else. Because a lot of clients don't have long-term care insurance, right? The yeah. other world that this has a little bit of traction, and I'm still working on it, is the nonprofit world because... Um, planned giving advisors are talking to donors all the time about donating assets to their favorite nonprofit. Mm-hmm. And a life insurance policy is just one more asset. Mm-hmm. So, you know, elder law attorneys, I work at fiduciaries, there's just a lot, you know, thinking about who has clients who can benefit from our service and then starting to reach out to those different, um, those different specialty groups. Uh you know, that's excellent. And I love the thought process that went into thinking about who who could make up the network because you didn't just choose one sector and stop there, right? And say, okay, well, this is the sector that can refer me business and I'm only going to focus on them. You said, okay, this sector can refer me business. Oh, and this sector is adjacent to them and they can refer me business. And then you started, I love what you said about getting creative. You started to get creative and think about where you know, what is the value of the value that I'm bringing in my service, right? And of course, uh, the value the value you bring is you're releasing this tether to a life insurance policy, but you're creating cash from it. And in a lot of cases, especially in today's world where you've got aging seniors, they need the cash now. They want to leverage the cash now. They, you know, they, they'd rather have a, they'd rather have a lower amount now when they're alive and can get the good out of it, as opposed to have a, a higher amount after they're gone and and the bills have already piled up and they've already been in collections and who knows what might have happened before then. So you were thinking about the consumer experience, you know, when when might they need the service? Um, and then in their in their you know life experience, and then who who is serving them during that life experience? And you got to Everything from financial advisors and uh, health insurance agents and brokers, which makes perfect sense, all the way through elder care attorneys uh, in that world, all the way to assisted living facilities, right? Which if you just look at it on the surface, you're like, okay, I need to talk to financial advisors. 
And some people might stop there or, or health insurance brokers, people who sell life insurance is who I need to talk to um, uh, or can. And But no, you went, you went further than that. So I think that's a fantastic takeaway for everybody as you're looking at who your universe of strategic referral partners can and should be. Ask yourself the question, you know, who, who are your clients, um, uh, you know, who, who are your clients working with before, during and after you, right? Um, what are the adjacent uh, value propositions that are delivered uh, next to yours? And so obviously assisted living, something has got to be paid for. That is an adjacent value proposition um, to someone who might need a life settlement. And, it, and it, if you start to think in that way, it becomes a lot clearer and obvious how you could grow a strategic referral network. Yeah. And, and the other thing is too, is I talk to all kinds of different insurance agents. You're absolutely right. Life insurance agents are perfect, right? They've got a whole block of life insurance business. However, think about Medicare agents. So I talk to a lot of yeah. people who work in Medicare. Why? They're talking to the right demographic, right? Right. They're talking to the right demographic. And you, and I, and for our world, the, insurance agents and financial advisors do not need to be the writing agent on the life insurance policy. And a lot of times they're not, Mm -hmm. they're helping clients on policies that they didn't write, but, and that's beautiful because once again, it helps the client, but it's another revenue source for them as well. See, I thought about too, like you said, what is the benefit for the referral partners? Sometimes it's the fiduciary duty to the client. Right. They, they, they have an obligation to make the service available. Right. That's that's exactly right. But a lot of times it's going to benefit the referral partners in different ways. I mean, if you're an assisted living community, you are trying to find ways to have your particular client be able to afford your services. So that's, you know, home care mm-hmm. agencies, same thing. Senior placement referral specialists, they're trying to find ways to have their clients be able to not only afford assisted living, maybe afford the assisted living community that they want. So I, I think it's a misperception um, that our only clients are people who are trying to um, uh, make their lives more comfortable. Certainly. I mean, today, right. Certainly it, that happens. Absolutely. People want to repurpose, like I said, repurpose this asset to make my life more comfortable. We have people that have very significant health issues and I mean, very significant health issues, but they're consciously making the decision to look I don't want this asset anymore, or this asset's becoming much too expensive for me. I can take that money and be able to afford my care. Plus I can sell it and get additional. But Mm -hmm. a lot of times too, we have clients who literally have outlived the usefulness of the policy. They just just truly don't need it anymore. They literally do not need it anymore. My house is paid off. The kids are gone. My spouse has passed away or the policy has just gotten too expensive. I've had this thing for 30 years. And I've been paying, you know, $80 a month, and now it's going to be $600 a month due to right. cost of insurance and the cash values decrease. So it the policy is quote unquote blown up and we see it an awful lot. So po- my point is anybody that, that um, has eyes and ears that can keep their eyes and ears open about uh, people who may not need a life insurance policy anymore or can afford it or whatever, or wants to repurpose it, that's going to be a good referral partner for us. So uh, there could be a referral partner segments out there that I haven't thought of. Of course. And, and, and there probably are, but it's that, and that's, and that's the point, right. Is being open to this idea of how can I, how can I reach the group of people that I serve, um, 
what are all the different ways that I can reach them? Who are all the other people that touch them or that are engaged with them that could be potential referral uh, sources for me? The question that came to mind, I don't remember exactly what you said that that made me write this down, but for for other consultants like me, other expert uh, experts in their field who are providing some kind of valuable professional service, the question I think we have to ask ourselves is who has a stake in the results that you create? Right. And so you were talking about a good example is the uh, assisted living center. Obviously, assuming the family or the individual needs and wants to stay there, which they probably do or they wouldn't be there in the first place, um, they have to have a way to pay for it. And it's not it's not inexpensive. I mean, you know, Medicaid and, and, you know, exists for a reason, but you have this life policy and there are other expenses that happen as we age, obviously, we want that cash available to us now. And so you asked yourself the question, whether consciously or subconsciously, um, who else uh, has a stake in the results that you're creating for that end user, in this case, assisted living facilities, home care, et cetera, et cetera. And so as any consultant, right, anybody who's selling their knowledge, expertise, service, skill, uh, can ask themselves that question, who has a stake in the results that I create? And once you identify that those individuals, the, that grouping, that those are potential uh, referral sources, assuming they're not competitors, of course, which in case they wouldn't have a stake in uh, in the results that you're creating. So I think that becomes a really um, powerful question that we can all ask ourselves to start to think about who, who make up our own referral network. Um, you talked about early on a second ago, when you were establishing this network and really growing it, and you still go to these conferences, you mentioned conferences, organizations, associations. Um, describe for me, how do you normally engage with a group like that? Let's say it's an association conference. Um, do you normally go there as a sponsor? Do you go there in a networking capacity? Do you go there as a speaker? Is it all of the above? You're going there with your, your agenda, I assume, Lisa, uh, other than perhaps learning this or that from a given speaker, but your real agenda would be in growing this strategic referral network. How, what have you found to be the most impactful way to do that in association conference uh, setting? D, all of the above. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You, you, and I want to, I want to, you know, back up just a second. Sure. I am not the premier marketing authority here, right? I'm not, I'm just doing what, what, I've done doesn't mean that I can't do anything better or different. So I'm not here to, you know, tell anybody what's best for their business or how they, you know, should do anything. Um, uh, like I said, I appreciate the opportunity to discuss, to discuss this because I am absolutely open to new ideas. And the reality is I try things that don't work. I try, you know, referral partner sources that just don't work and that's okay. Yep. Um, I, I, you know, I, test the water and see, hey, is that, whoop, that didn't work. Okay. Well, let's just, you know, back up. Clearly, um, I, I have referral partner sources that are uh, more, uh, I, I'm not going to say successful because that's not true, uh, more prolific, I will say, mm -hmm. in their referrals, but that's only because of the volume that they do. Or So for instance, if there's a life insurance agent, you know, they might have 2000 or 200 or 1000 or whatever life insurance policies on their books, yeah. a, a senior placement referral specialist is not going to come into contact with a thousand life insurance policies. See what I'm saying? So, yep. um, but that does not mean that that's not a, uh, 
that be, doesn't mean that that's a bad referral right. partner. Or not um, worthy. Source, yeah, right. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. No, they're, they're, every referral partner is really, really important. And I, and I treat them as such because they're very valuable. They're important to me personally, and they're certainly uh, important to clients. So back to your question about like trade shows and associations, it just depends. Um, some of them I can be speakers at and, and I'm, I'm privileged to do that and honored to do that and grateful for the opportunity. Um, some of them, I have a booth. Uh, sure. Just to raise visibility, I'll be doing that uh, now that we're opening up uh, pretty extensively. Um, some of them, it's just to network. So it just depends upon, you know, what the situation, what the situation is and what the association uh, does. But I try to be as visible as possible. So, for instance, if I'm a member of an association, I am. I try to reach out to other um, branches or uh, offices of that association just to let them know, hey, I'm a I'm a member of this association, um, and I would you know either love to be able to tell you my message or attend your meeting or whatever it happens sure. to be. So it's yeah. it's just it's good old fashioned basics. I'm just an old fashioned girl. What can I tell you? <laughs> well, I, I I appreciate that, especially in in today's world where everything is online and it's digital this and digital that. And, and that has a place. I'm, 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 I know you do some stuff on LinkedIn too. Maybe we'll touch on that, but that hat that absolutely has a place. Um, but at the end of the day, especially if you're talking about a live opportunity to, to meet someone and to, to be in the same space with someone. And like you said, as of this recording, the world is starting to open up, um, you know, uh, after the pandemic and hopefully we'll, this will become, you know, we'll get back to that sense of normalcy, at least a little bit in the coming months. Um, but th- there isn't a replacement for that level of basics, right? Where you are directly personally reaching out to someone, whether over the phone or possibly an email, or just talking to someone at a networking event and saying, listen, I'd like to know more about you and I'll tell you more about me. And maybe there's a way that we can support one another. Um, because I, 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 I'm making this assumption, Lisa, I would assume that over your 30 year career in the space, you have made your your own fair share of referrals uh, to people that you know, right? So it's not just you asking, it's also you giving. And to that end, this, this takes me into a place where I want to go next. You talk about how every referral source is important and how you want to cultivate and nurture those relationships. So I know this is something that you're looking to do even more, right? And you said you're always looking for new ideas and new ways to, to enhance what you're already doing. But talk a little bit about how you have uh, gone and supported and cultivated and nurtured that strategic referral network. What does that look like? When someone's uh, a member of that network, um, Obviously, they they have their own network. So we have to make sure that you you, you want to make sure you're staying visible and on their radar. How do you do that? That's a really good question. I, I'm very upfront with people. First of all, as you know, we are a niche of a niche of a niche. Yeah. We're a very yeah. small niche. Um, and so w- when I speak with, with clients, so referral partners are clients, but uh, sometimes they they just want me to speak to the end client directly and just like, let me know how it goes, Lisa, right? Which is right. totally fine. Sure. However it works, what, however someone would like me to do business, that's what I'm here to do. I res- I respect everybody's different. So um, my point is, I, I tell people, I don't know how much I can refer to you. Mm-hmm. I'm very upfront about it. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm not willing to, of course right. I am, because if there's a client who needs help, I want to help them. 
Whether it's with me or not with me, I want to somehow help them get them connected to the resources that they need. That's that's my first and foremost concern. And but but I'm not talking to clients about their finances and all these things. I'm Correct. not because yeah. I have to respect once again a referral partner who is the one sending that client right. to me. It is not my purview. It's not my area of expertise. It would be stepping on a lot of toes mm-hmm. if I went down that world de- went down that road. So I don't. So I tell re- I tell referral partners if I can refer, I absolutely will. Mm-hmm. But setting expectations properly I don't know how much that's going to happen because I am talking to clients about this, right? Right. This little niche, this is what I'm talking to them about. If they happen to ask me, hey, you know, do you know someone who does X? Then I will do that and I will refer absolutely. Because once again, I'm trying to help a client. And on top of helping a client, I'm helping a a referral partner, which is important, like you said, to solidify those relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, So... I try to set expectations ahead of time. But like I said, if I can refer, I absolutely will refer, period. That's great. I know I've had clients say, hey, Lisa, you know, my sister needs life insurance. Do you do that? And I'm like, no, I do life settlements. But here's somebody who does. And, you know, they're delighted for the referral. Of course. Of course. You know, um, in this conversation about cultivating, nurturing your network, the thing that you just cited again, which I wanted to come back to, so I'm glad you brought it back up is being that safe referral source and uh, making sure that, you know, when you're adding someone into this, I'll use the word loosely, but into this formalized referral network, it's important that they know that you're not trying to get in there to take business that they would otherwise have or to take their business and refer it to someone else that you that you like more, that you've known longer, whatever it may be, right? And so it's really important. You talk about setting and managing expectations, which is a huge piece of my overarching philosophy in business development. I think it's really important. And it sounds like you do that very, very clearly upfront when, when one of these relationships is starting to, to coalesce. Um, in terms of your... And I think that's really important. So the note to everybody out there, if you haven't made it yet, is when you are building out your referral network, make sure that your partners understand that this is not about them creating a new competitor. Uh, It is about them adding a new capability, a new service, a new value proposition into their own menu of services and options that they can bring to bear for their clients, uh, that you're not going to take their business and move it, try to move it or get it or do anything else with it. It is theirs. You're simply available to provide additional value through uh, their firm as as needed. Um, and, Scott, and Scott, I'm going yeah. to interject or sure. at least add on to that. Mm-hmm. I have, I do work, as we talked about before, I work with a lot of insurance agents mm-hmm. and I have had insurance agents tell me, look, Lisa, I'm an expert in this or I'm an expert in that. And I will tell them, I said, that is fantastic, but I have to, t-. he goes, so, you know, if you, if you know anyone who needs long-term sure. care or life yeah. insurance or whatever, I do tell them, I said, please understand that the ultimate client that we're working with, the the policy that we're selling is somebody else's client. Yeah. I cannot and will not refer to you when some, I'm very clear about who has referred. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very careful about it. Because it's so it's so important. Like I said, I value our referral partners so much. I keep close yeah. track of who's referred me which clients so that I know if a client says, hey, I need life insurance, I'm referring them back to 
or my sister needs life insurance. I'm referring them back to the life insurance agent that referred me, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the client originally. Yep. You're going so, back through the I, proper I, channels. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I I'm yeah, absolutely. It's well, to me, it's imperative. I, I agree. I mean, you're talking about high integrity um, and making sure that that's maintained all the way throughout. And um that is only going to perpetuate the trust and respect and admiration and mutual benefit of, of frankly, everybody in the network, um, but certainly between you and your referral partner. And so it's just about, you know, not to use the cliche, but at the end of the day, it's the golden rule, right? Treat, treat others as you would have them treat you. And that's exactly what you're articulating at the very beginning. And then that's what you're fulfilling on, uh, which I think is great. In terms of visibility, you talked about the importance of of, of staying visible um, and top of mind, so to speak, uh, amongst your referral network. Uh, what are some things that you have done or are doing or looking to do even um, in order to fulfill that and make sure that your referral network is reminded uh, about Lisa and what you can do potentially for their clients? Well, I'm going to start off by saying I'm not perfect. And there are obviously things that I could be doing better or things that I could be doing that I haven't thought of before. Somebody hasn't yeah, sure. brought to mind or whatever that happens to be. Yeah. But it's a lot of different things. You you mentioned it earlier. I do post on LinkedIn. Um, I'm not so big on Facebook. There's a reason for that. But I, I, I don't want to have too much of a time commitment in any one sector, I guess, is mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. So LinkedIn is professional to professional. I like it a lot. Um, alignable. Uh, I also do a monthly email. Once again, it's just for me, my personal opinion is I don't want to be spammed. I don't want to see an email every day, every other day, five times a week, three times a week. So, um, and once again, we're a niche of a niche. So, of a niche. So, it's important that I tap people on the shoulder a little bit. Yep. But not but not be in their face. And yep. and maybe I could be more aggressive about that. I'm not really sure, Scott, but I do send out an email once a month mm-hmm. and that's it. So like I said, it's just enough for people to see my name, see a message. Um, and I don't have it be some big stylized newsletter that once again, someone, someone out there listening is probably going to, yeah, someone out there is probably going to cringe when they hear it. But once again, this is just me. It's my personality. It's yeah. who I am. And once again, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying it's what I do. Right. I try to make it a short email with a with a you know link in there to an article. Maybe it's an article that I've written. Maybe it's an article somebody else has written. Uh, maybe it's a link to a survey. When whatever it happens to be, I try to make it as short as possible. Hopefully, someone can read it at least the the body of the email in a minute maybe a minute and a half because I have the attention span of a gnat <laughs> and, and I don't want to read some big old long stylized newsletter. Yeah. I just, I, I just don't, I, I lose interest really fast and I'm so sorry, but I just do. So, um, I, you know, well, yeah, I mean, you had, you're, you're, in good, you, you're in very good company with that, Lisa. That is not, uh, that's not unusual. <laughs> Don't, don't get me wrong. They're beautiful. They're wonderful. But unless something grabs me right off the bat, I'm just not going to spend the time to scroll, right? Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. yeah, I just don't. Uh, so the bottom line is it's it's a, a short email. So that's something I do. And, you know, it's good old fashioned phone calls. I try to say hello. How are you? Um, to once again, our referral partners, because the ultimate clients are not my clients. The referral partners are my mm-hmm. clients. Yep. And, and I think, you know, 
that's a really, we've said it a couple of times now, but that's a really important mentality. If you, uh, obviously you have your, you have your clients and your customers who are these individuals who you're helping with the life settlement. No one's taking anything away from that. Obviously that is the, where the seed of the value grows from. Right. But, uh, you see them as your clients, but you also see these strategic referral partners as your clients, right? And you're trying to take care of them and bring as much value and benefit to them and be a resource to them, knowing that they are the, the, um, the gatekeeper uh, to, your, to your end client. Um, and so you're trying to not only just respect that, but you're actually trying to, to, again, deliver meaningful value to that strategic referral network over time. And I think the other key thing that you mentioned, that I just want to reiterate uh, or yeah, to reiterate, and that is that your this messaging that you do, whether it's a phone call or the monthly email or the LinkedIn posting or whatever, you're, you know, the work you're doing through Alignable or whatever it may be, attending a networking event so that you're visible and you're present, again, whether virtual or live, all of these activities in your world, um, and we talked about this before, and maybe you can speak to this a little bit. Uh, they're all about making sure that the impression is made, making sure that visibility is there. It's not that you're going into a, a set of phone calls or you're sending out this monthly email to to try to to convince a specific referral partner to refer you specific business. That's not what it's about. Um, it's about simply saying, "I'm still here. I want to provide you this value. I hope you think. I hope it's valuable for you. Let me know how I can serve." And when the timing is right, they will see your name, they'll remember you, and they'll reach out. Um, so maybe you can speak to that, because I think so many consultants get, get focused, and, and present company included, uh, from time to time. We get so focused on, I want there to be action taken, right? I want there to be this, this conversation <laughs> to be had and action taken. And it doesn't mean that you can't make those things available for people who are ready, but that's not the primary focus. The primary focus is about visibility. Um, so yeah, maybe you can speak to how you're how you're thinking about that a little bit more. Well, I want action to be taken. Let's be <laughs> well, <realistic here. laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> oh, come on. Yeah. Now, however, however, once again, because we're a niche of a niche of a niche. Yeah. I am very realistic that the timing may not be right. You know what we do might come up once a year, once mm-hmm. every six months, once every two years, three years, five years for some of our referral partners, right? because it's just not the right time. They don't have a particular client where this is a good fit. And right. let's be realistic. In our world, I look at, at us as the last solution. And what I mean by that is if somebody has a life insurance policy, they need to talk to their insurance and financial advisors to figure out how to handle it, especially if you know it's ending, especially if they can't afford it anymore, whatever. That conversation has already taken place. Mm-hmm. And maybe they can restructure the policy or whatever. But if it gets down to the point where all those other things have been considered and, no, no I really don't need this anymore, then we're going to be the last solution before somebody drops it or, you know, or lapses it. Yeah. So yeah. my point is, is that we, we could be, I could be here from some, someone two years from now, yeah. three years from now, because the timing just isn't right. So back to your point, my, my focus and my marketing right or wrong, once again, right or wrong. I'm not saying that, that I'm 
perfectly right. I'm just saying that I'm all about visibility because mm-hmm. you never know. I mean, I've had this happen and you probably have too, and our listeners probably have. They've made a phone call or they sent out an email or whatever. And someone says, oh yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. I just talked to a client yesterday sure. or I was just thinking about you or whatever. And the email hits at the same time or the phone call hits at the same right. time that it's all timing. Yep. Yep. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, timing is critical. And when you think about the nature of, of what you're doing and nature of what a lot of consultants and advisors are doing, when they're thinking about their prospect universe, right? You know, uh, most of us as consultants, we're not working with hundreds and hundreds of clients a year, right? We may be working with a few, uh, all the way up to a few dozen clients a year, depending on the nature and scope of our business and what we're doing. Um, when you're thinking about that, in order for that timing to happen, it's it's not like there's going to be a new opportunity from every referral n- network partner every day. That It's just not the timing of it. And so your concept about perpetually staying in front of in a value-driven way, not in a pestery way, but in a professionally persistent and value-driven way to stay in front of that strategic referral group and thinking of them as your clients I think is is really critical. I'm reminded of a a quote from uh, keynote speaker uh, Patricia Fripp, and I I will I will paraphrase this. I may not get exactly right, but she always says that it's not your client's job to remember you; it's your job to make sure they don't forget you. And that's exactly what it sounds like you're doing, right? Through through all these different activities, and like you said, perhaps you could be doing different things, more things, whatever. But the point is, the philosophy is, I think, 100% correct which is it's your job to make sure that this strategic referral, these strategic referral partners don't forget that you're there and that you're perpetually in front of them in some way. And the same lesson for, for me and for all of our viewers and listeners out there. If you have a client base, strategic referral network um, that you want to activate and make sure they're engaged as much as possible, then the key is to consistently be visible in front of them in some way. Again, not in a not in a uh, in-your-face kind of way where you're where you're where there too much and they start to ignore you because that can have the opposite result, right? If you're if you're communicating too much with a particular group of people, then they'll just start ignoring your messaging and it won't be effective at all. So you have to find that right balance, uh, but main, maintaining that visibility so that when that timing does come around, when it is right, they do know. Oh, I I know exactly who to contact, and boom, there she is in my inbox, or there she is in my voicemail, or wherever wherever they might be contacting me. I think it's tremendous yeah, it, tremendous lessons. Go ahead. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. And you know, you were asking earlier how to grow the network, um, mm-hmm. and as we spoke earlier. I try to um, public speak, and and I'm all about education. I'm just educating. Period. Paragraph. That's it. I'm not here to sell anything. I am absolutely not trying to talk anybody out of their life insurance policy. Absolutely no. I'm just here to educate as many people as possible, whether they come to me or not. I just want them to have the information so that they can make the right decision that's right for their clients or right for them and their families. Now, that being said, um, when I do uh, speak, ideally, and this is ideally, mm-hmm. I would like to have the con- the uh, co- um, content contact information of the people who of are course. there so that sure. I can obviously follow up. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, and I've learned that this year, by the way, uh, see that old dogs learn new tricks, <laughs> but um, 
some of the some of the uh, contact information is just an address. Sure. Once again, due to privacy or the particular association says, no, we don't give that out. Right. We only give addresses. And I have done direct mail, meaning that mm-hmm. I have done the old, you know, folding letters on a Saturday and licking envelopes yeah. um, to, you know, sometimes two or 400 people, depending upon who attended mm-hmm. an educational class just to follow up. And right. it's been an interesting, it's been interesting that um, sometimes the old fashioned letters you know, would receive a response where they've been on my email list for seriously, I don't know, a couple of years, mm-hmm. but they got the letter as a follow-up to, you know, this, the public speech. And they're like, you know, I have a client or, you know, what about my yeah. policy? So it's just, my, my point is I try everything because who knows what's going to work. I don't think there's, at least in my world, for me, there's not one solution. There are a lot of different things that that I have to do and I have to try. And some of it's pretty time consuming, but, you know, it it works. We don't know until we try it that, and it works. That's exactly right. I mean, uh, you know, business development and growth at its core is all about testing. And, and ideally, right, we test and we calibrate and we improve and we enhance over time and we figure out, you know, the, the proper marketing mix to hopefully optimize results within the restriction of our available time, effort, money, right? I mean, that's sort of the, the whole point. Uh, but I, I think your note is, is, a, is, is a fantastic one. It really is, you know, successful business development, whether you're using a, a strategic referral network or not. Now, these are your clients, right? So, uh, but regardless of what, who you're marketing to, multi-touch through multimedia, uh, is the secret. And, and it is, it's, it's not just about running a campaign that, that has a beginning, a middle and an end. It is about consistency over time. You can do campaigns and that's great, but it is about the consistency over time and having these different channels that you're reaching out to these people through uh, ideally in different ways. And obviously if you have one piece of contact information, that's what you use. Um, uh, but ideally multi-touch multimedia over time is, is the secret. Um, again, just to establish that top of mind awareness in our marketplace. I think that's, yeah, I I try that's to, go ahead. Yeah. I try to write articles for magazines. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, I just reach out all over the place and, and some of these things, and you know, this Scott, you're not going to see a direct ROI. You're not going to see a direct return on investment. Yep. Um, it's, no, at it least not immediately. Successful. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I got this flyer. I saw your article in California broker magazine or, you know, I mean, and some of these, it's it's been Lisa. You know, I've had your flyer for a year, and it just wasn't the right time then. Right. Uh, but I have a client now, so it, it's it's like you said, just continue to continue to continue. And and I will tell you that at least once again for me, writing um, articles for for magazines or newspapers or whatever. Once again, education based only. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks it looks good on the website. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It looks good in our blog. It, I send articles in our monthly newsletter if I've written. I just did it last month. Like, here's our latest article for Desert Health News or whatever it happens to be. Um, just just trying to keep that visibility. Uh, I think it's fantastic. And that's a great note for us to kind of wrap the conversation here. I, I have a couple more things I want to go into. But this note about it, it is it is the continuous planting of the seed right? And then nurturing and cultivating that over time to let it grow to a point where then it, it can be harvested. And obviously that is a, a, a very old parable and metaphor, but one that is 
as true today as it ever has been and will always be true. So uh, I think, you know, the nature and philosophy of what you're doing is just continuously planting those seeds, sharing that value, and then over time, nurturing it, cultivating it. And then sooner or later, uh, you know, they will sprout and the opportunities will, will present themselves to you. Uh, Lisa, as we wrap, one of the questions that I ask each of my guests, and it's always interesting to hear the answers, you had a, an, a, a very impressive career in the insurance space. You started your own business five years ago. Um, you know, you, you've gone through life. <laughs> um, what would you say are, you know, one or a couple of key life lessons that you've discovered over your time? And they, these can be professional, uh, you know, business related. They can be personal. It can be a combination. Um, top lesson or lessons learned over, over your career? Oh, wow. Um, you know, my father, who is so important to me, um, always said he had a he had a magnet that said, when life gives you scraps, make quilts. <laughs> I like that. That's, like that's that the theme of the lemonade, right? When you like yeah. these lemons, make lemonade. Um, the other thing is, I have a note um, on my desk. And this is a saying that I just got introduced to Oh, probably about six or seven years ago. And I wrote it down and I put it on my desk and it lives here. And it says the difference between success and failure is success got up one more time. Yeah. And I, I love that. It's for me in my head, once again, I, and I'm not a perfect individual by any stretch of the imagination, just ask my husband and he will tell you, <laughs> but <laughs> And I love him, by the way, to be clear, I do love him. We of have course. a good relationship. We have a good marriage, but there, that's a little joke. But anyway, but point is, is that, um, you know, I, I try mm -hmm. to be open to new ideas. I try to, um, to, to follow a path. If I have a little notion like, well, let's just try that and see what happens. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's important too. You know, it's the old fashioned, never give up, but I never want to, I, I don't want to think that, oh, I've made it or I'm, right. you know, I, I'm good now. I, you know, we, we can't because look what just happened last year and a half. That's right. I mean, I am not, the, I'm not the biggest technology person in the world. And then here you and I are talking on zoom and I actually, you know, know how to do zoom calls. So, right. but yeah. I didn't two years ago. Yep. So, you know, we just have to be flexible and kind of go where life takes us and, and uh, follow that path. I think I think those are great sentiments uh, to end on. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Those are fantastic, um, Lisa. If someone wants to find out more about Rayburg Life Settlements, if they want to reach out to you directly, if they have an invitation for you to speak or write uh, something for them or uh, their constituency, how, how would someone engage you? How might they find you? Where could they find you? Uh, thank you for asking. I really appreciate that. And I, I, I invite people to just call me if they have any questions or just you know, yeah. want to know more, whatever it happens to be. So yeah. um, my email, and don't laugh, is L-R-E-H-B-U-R-G at AOL.com. There's the laugh part. Uh, it's my first initial last name at AOL. And you ask yourself why that happened because my my other option was Lisa at RaybergLifeSettlements.com. And that was just so long. And I've had this email forever, as you can tell. So just All easier. Uh, my phone number is 714-349-7981. Or our website is RaybergLifeSettlements.com. Perfect. 
That is fantastic. Lisa, thank you so much for carving out the time and sharing uh, sharing your experience um, and really diving deep into this idea of building out a strategic referral network. I know it's going to support and help a lot of folks, it, me included, probably. Be well, We're all here to help each other. So a privilege. Yeah. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. Thank you. Be well, everyone, for Consulting with Authority. This is Scott Cantrell wishing you the best of success. Thank you for listening. I hope you got a ton of value out of this episode. And before we go, I want to thank the sponsor of our show, Smart Solutions Media. Smart Solutions Media empowers business owners, consultants, and other independent professionals to easily attract better prospects and transform them into long-term clients. If you're a B2B consultant or service professional and would like to start filling your pipeline with better quality prospects, visit us on the web at smartsolutionsmedia.com to learn more about what we can do to help you. Be sure to complete this short two-minute accelerated growth scorecard you can find on the website and you'll receive a complimentary strategy session where we'll give you specific insights and recommendations to help you attract high-value clients. Until next time, make sure you are consulting with authority.